Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Uh, a series which I think is one of the most important series you can do in the kingdom. And, uh, and I really want to encourage you to take some notes. Have a look at some scriptures later. Uh, lean in, glean in, and glean because I really want to help you to understand that you're very important to God, but you're also very important in God's purpose. Very important to God, and you're also very important in God's purpose. And my prayer is that Global Heart Church will be a strong church where, you, where we are strongly walking in God's purpose and plan and actually impact other people with that. Uh, because, you know, if you heard me say 41 years being a Christian and 34 years this year being a pastor, been around lots of places around the world, not the whole world, but I've been to lots of places, been to lots of churches and, uh, and met a lot of Christians. And time and time again, I get Christians who I'll say, what's God called you to do? And they're like, I'm praying about it. And I'm like, how long have you been praying about it? And they don't actually nail it. But if they nailed it, it'd be 20 years. And I go, how long have you been asking God about this? Yeah, long time. But really, it's 20 years, 30 years. I go, what do you do in your church? Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not really committed to any church really at the minute. And so this happens all the time. And then I see preachers around the world who I love them. They're awesome people. They mean so well. And they're like at conferences saying to people, this is your year to go to the next level. You are going to the next level. And Christians go, yes, I want to go to the next level. Oh, I can't wait to go to the next level. Yes, I love this conference. And what that usually means to most people, I'm getting a boyfriend or a girlfriend. (laughs) I'm getting married. She's coming. He's coming. Or I'm getting cashed up. This is my next level year. Woo! Yeah! And the pastor's conference are all going off. Hallelujah. Everybody's going crazy. Getting the cash. And then the last one is, this is my year to be spiritually more superior than everybody else in my church and home group. And this is, what, this is honestly what people think. So I'm always like with a lot of pastors, I'm like, could you just not say that to people? Because it's not helping people. When you say, you go to the next level, hallelujah, go crazy. Because they just think chicks, guys, cash, and pride. (laughs) That is not it. God's next level for you is when you go, this is what I'm meant to do in 2022 in God's house and out of his house. This is it. And sometimes that's exciting and amazing and incredible. I pray it is in Jesus' name, but sometimes it's just going to be hard work. I'll give you the next level word for everybody. I need to preach at their conference. Here's the next level word for you all. Go to the next level. Here it is. Responsibility. Responsibility. Because if you want a church or a ministry or people to really go to the right next level, and the church to go there, it's a whole lot of responsibility. So what's happening here in our church every week, you know, and what we're doing down Zambia and in Germany and Melbourne now, there's a whole lot of responsibility that's got to happen for that to happen. Even this morning, the whole bunch of people, I was doing what I was doing. I didn't know what these guys were going to come out with. But I know there's people there who had to be responsible so you could be 
hello in the praise and worship this morning because they are being responsible to bring that. Next level. <laughs> Thank you for bringing what you bring, all the team who did that, who led us so beautifully. So, so you know, the Bible says in 1 Peter, everybody, chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, that we are living stones. We are living stones. And in this passage, it's so powerful. Take a note if you can. It describes how God draws us to himself, the living stone, in actual fact, the chief cornerstone. So let me read to you 1 Peter 2, verse 4 to 5. It says, Coming to him as to a living stone. This is Jesus, the chief cornerstone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also... As living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus is the living stone. He's the chief cornerstone, in fact, the Bible goes on and tells us. Then it says, you also are living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. So the Bible's teaching us, we come to Christ, He draws us to Him, and then we are living stones. And the Bible says here, a holy priesthood. I went to a religious school as a kid. I thought all the holy people was if you ended up with your face in a picture and there was a gold glitter all around you, you were holy. <laughs> and I remember as a kid thinking to myself, I ain't ever going to have a picture like that. <laughs> it can be no holy gold around me. But I think that's the holy people. Listen, everyone, that is not what God means. Holiness, to, holiness actually means, if you're holy, it means set apart. You were set apart by Christ. Holy is set apart. Everyone here, if you've given your life to Christ, you were set apart at salvation. I came in dirty, came in broken, came in lost, came in blind, gave my life to Christ, and I was set apart for Christ's purpose. And so that's what holiness is. And then the Bible says that we are now all a holy priesthood. I grew up and we'd go to church and there was one religious kind of priest guy, right? And I used to think, oh, he's the holy one. I bet he gets in a painting with the gold around it <laughs> because, because I'm not going to be there. And then I start reading the Bible after he came saved and I realized, hang on a minute. This is the priesthood of all believers. This is the priesthood of all believers. It's not about one person. So what has happened for a long time around the world is everybody would dress up in their nice outfit. Then we'd come and watch people who dressed up in their 15th century outfit. And they would be the anointed one and we would all be the ones who weren't anointed. Wrong. 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 I remember when I became a Christian, I went back to my religious church and went and spoke to one of the leaders there and they told me to stop reading the Bible said, you need to stop reading the Bible, Jared. You need to go back to your local church and get them to tell you what the Bible says. I went, huh? I was nearly 19. I said, excuse me. I said, I'm becoming a Christian and wanting to draw near to God now because I've read his Bible word for the first time. That was a problem because what was happening was I was confronting traditions versus what the Bible says. People love traditions. Oh, we love it. People love, if somebody did that and they do it for three centuries, we're like, oh, it's always been like that. Look, my nan did a lot of things, but we are not bringing that currently into our family. <laughs> that was great for my nan, but it doesn't work. You know, that's a tradition of nan. It's not a tradition that we need to have for generations through the family. You know, nan's cakes, let's cook them. <laughs> I'm loving it now because my mum always makes white Christmas at Christmas time, and she makes it just perfect. Well, Sue, this last Christmas, she nailed it. 
and Sue is a very good cook, and she cooks, cook, uh, cooks quick. You're very good, baby, if you're tuning in right now. <laughs> she's good, I'm telling you now. But she's nailed White Christmas, and I was like, you know, that's a tradition that needs to stay. <laughs> Keep that going through. Keep that happening. But in the kingdom, we do a lot of, we've grown up, a lot of us, with stuff where that was the deal. You dressed up, came in, person out the front, they did everything. And also churches I've been to around the world go to churches and you'll see sometimes the pastor and wife. And uh, I'm interested. I'm like, what, what are they doing? And the pastor's wife's at the front door. He's at the front door. Then they're doing the offering. Then she's baked the cakes during the week. And now she's handing out the cakes. And then she's putting the jug on. And then he's doing the preaching. And then it's like, I'm like, uh, guys, you missed the plot here. This is the kingdom of priests. Why are you doing everything? So why are you doing everything? Pastors and leaders are Ephesians 4 ministry gifts, is what the Bible says, gifts to the body of Christ. But those gifts are to equip you for your ministry in the house and out of the house, in the house and out of the house. And so when I see pastors doing everything, I'm thinking, why are you doing that? You're stopping people entering into their ministry because you made it about you. Honor and respect Christian leadership. I'm totally down with that and absolutely agree with that but they should not be trying to take the position of being the only minister when the Bible says it's the priesthood of all believers and we are living stones. Somebody need to amen at that point. You're the priesthood of all believers. You have a ministry in the house. But can I just say to you as a living stone, stop moving around. (laughs) A lot of us are living stones, all right. Here I am, a stone at this church. Then I'm a stone at that church. Listen, in Revelation, there's seven letters to seven local churches. And if you're going to grow and be healthy, I grew up in a broken family. I know what healthy is. It is stability in God's house. It's stability in God's house. All of us, you grew up in broken families. If you had your mother walk out on you, you can walk out on church. If you had your father walk out on you, you can walk out on church. You can walk out on people. You see people, they just go from one church to another and they think it's the Lord calling me on. No, much of it is the leftover of your broken childhood. Welcome to Global Heart Church. <laughs> Welcome to Truth Alley right here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're going to realize when you grow up and you get healed is that you stay. You realize people are imperfect. But what you do do is you agree with God in 1 Corinthians where he says, I set the members in the body. What does that mean? That's, that's God saying, I set the stones somewhere. You're alive, but you've been set. You're alive, but you've been set. If you saw a stone church right now, you've been set into the wall. What Christians do is unset themselves. <laughs> Off to another church. And that's why when people leave churches, it's always weird. It's weird. Because you're a set stone, now you've removed yourself. It's like when Jesus says we're one body but many members. When people remove myself and wander around the kingdom, it's like a finger being chopped off. Your hand's a bit awkward now. Because there's an, hang on, because an amputation has happened. An amputation has happened. That's why Christians, when people are like, just move, where are you going? I don't know. As the Lord leads. So you're going to lop off a member of the Bible says one body, and now it's going to wander around, and it's going to be God, and you don't know where you're going, and everybody's meant to be excited. No, you're a lopped-off finger. And now that part of the body's awkward, you're awkward, and there's no blood flow to the finger. Lone rangers become weird strangers. So, 
here to help. <laughs> so I'm here to bring, isn't it funny, God, I come from such a dysfunctional background, and then God brings Sue and I to functional. So I've got functional thinking more than interesting. A lot of people have had generational Christianity because they've not questioned, is this functional as a Christian? So guess what? 23 years in this church, 41 in the kingdom, and then and every time God has moved me, right? Here's how you know it's God. You know the Bible says God saved and added? If you're being added, it was for more responsibility and a higher level of service. It's not because his, oh, you're going you're gonna to run out the door. <sighs> Most Christians leave for 10 grand, the place God, God goes, I'll put you here. And then somebody says, I'll give you 10 grand more. You're like, oh, I'm gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. And never ask the Lord, did you want me to do that? Because you sent me here. And, and God goes, no, I didn't actually, because in setting you here, I'm actually ultimately interested in your grandchild who from this place I'm going to launch into an incredible ministry. But you moved for 10 grand, that impacted the grandchild or your friend's grandchild because you sold your destiny for a bowl of soup worth 10 grand. We have to say, Lord, help me to be a living stone, but who's planted in the house of the Lord. Psalm 92 verse 13 to 14. Those planted in the house of the Lord flourish. And in old age, they just get better. Everybody who's getting around my age, you are flourishing. Come on. <laughs> the flourishing is coming in Jesus' name. So, all right, just breathe. Are you okay? You know, Romans 12 talks about um, grace gifts that God has given us for the church. And by the way, every one of us is called to the things that are on this list. We're all called to do it. But some of us have been graced. A grace gift is a a gift that God just decided to give you for the house of God. And some of you will have it more than others, right? So that's okay. But we're all called to do these things, but some of us will just naturally lean to it. And it's actually to build up the body of Christ. Here we go, Romans 12. I said, read the scripture. I'm just going to tell you what they were again. And Romans 12 says, we are many members, uniquely different, uniquely gifted, different ages, different cultures, different countries, different backgrounds. But God says, for the body of Christ... I have given grace gifts of faith. Some of you are going to have a measure of faith above other people's measure of faith. Prophecy, what is that? And we talked about that last week where I said, even in church here, our pastoral team is preaching. We are prophesying and we do that in our leadership things. We just don't do it weirdly. Some people have done it weirdly throughout the church world and all it does is draw attention to them, not Jesus. And everybody gets fixated on an unusual gift rather than fixed on Christ. So we're trying to bring it in a way that we step back, we decrease, he increases. This is actually a prophecy, what I'm saying to you this morning. This is, I'm prophesying to you. I'm not just teaching, I'm prophesying to you today. This is the word of the Lord to you right now for you to go forward. And if you apply it, your grandchildren will be the recipients of a greater ministry. Or if you don't have children or grandchildren, your friends who you example your Christian walk to, their children and grandchildren will be impacted for generations to come. So faith, prophesying, serving. These are the gifts for the house, serving. 
carrying responsibility, carrying the vision of the house. That might be the car park, that might be in the children's ministry, that might be in hospitality, serving with food, with coffee. All of these things are so important. Encouragement, that's exhortation. You're called to do that. That is not just something you do because, hey, I had a happy week. It's as you come in and say, I'm ministering the encouragement and exhortation anointing on my life. Giving generously. Well, now, as I said, we're all called to these, but some people are like, this is your calling. God has placed you in the house to really give serious finances so that we are released to do what God wants us to do at a greater level and minister to people in our community at the level we need to going forward. Leading diligently. Some of us, leadership, God has graced you with leadership. Honoring one another above yourselves, ultimately it says. That is what, it's, what Romans says. It says, after all of that, honoring one another above yourself. Let me say that again because every Christian needs to hear that about 47,000 times. Honoring, honoring one another above yourself. One more, come on. Honoring one another above yourself. The devil loves us to get our mind set about us. How do I feel? How do I think? What am I not getting? What am I getting? <laughs> and then the Bible says, honor those around you above yourself. Jesus kind of smacks me out of the water. He says, you need to honor others above yourself. Everybody, that's what Christ has called us to do in the church in Romans 12. I could just finish preaching there. There we go. <laughs> it's good. All right. Just watch your focus. Don't get distracted, everybody. Jesus saves you, and then he saves you not into bizarre independence. <laughs> um, who was bizarre and independent before you got saved? The rest of you are fibbing. Now, really, you should not be fibbing in church. Really. Anyway, for those who are honest, thank you so much. But I was bizarre and independent, doing my thing over here, bizarre, all over. And then God saves us. And guess what the hardest thing to do is, if you have a calling in the Lord, is to bring your, bring, bring your bizarre independence under Him and then under people. Woo! But if you can bring yourself under accountability with Christian people, Christian leaders, Christian pastors, which is what I had to do when the Lord said to me, Jared, in my 20s, I can only take you this far and no further until you learn that you have to surrender your life under me, but also serve the people I anoint over you. I love you, Lord. <laughs> he goes, I got that, but I need you to love them. When you love the leader that God had put there, or the pastor, or the department leader, or whoever, the kids leader, or whatever, he said, when you're doing that, you're operating faith. You're telling me, Lord, I will serve who you have put there alongside me or over me. And then the Lord said, I love it when you operate by faith. So everybody, if you haven't got that yet, start, you know, and you guys who are new Christians, that's a whole new ballgame. But you need to realize this is a big deal to God. Because this is not the Jared show, or the Sue show, or the Spencer show, or the Luke show, or any of our team show. This is Jesus' kingdom. And so I need to humbly say, Lord, help me just take my spot in the wall as a living stone and be accountable with what I'm doing. And then God goes, I can trust you, now I can use you. I like that. That was good. So, so don't get distracted, everybody. Be in God's house. Build God's house. 
And what I started with being practical again is when I became a Christian, I used to take the youth out at, take, sorry, take the bin out at the youth group on Saturday nights. That was my role in God's house, helping to be a blessing in the body before I got to my outside ministry. And my inside ministry, I would take the bin out. And by the way, youth make a lot of mess and that bin was full. <laughs> and uh, I'd always be dragging a heavy bin. But someone's going to empty the bin. Someone's got to do that. And then people said to me, could you help welcome people at the front door of the home group? I was like, oh, right. <laughs> so I was opening the front door. Hi, welcome to home group. Listen, all of that was the beginning of me ministering in the body. I didn't have a clue. I just said, yeah, I'm here to help. What would you like me to do? And all of that positioned me now, here I am all these years later, actually leading a church and having built churches and planted churches. But it all started with the bin. And standing at a front door, welcoming pimple-faced teenagers with attitudes to my youth home group. <laughs> and speaking of myself, uh, that was uh, actually me at the door. So, but also too, then I started picking up young people to come to church and come to youth, drive around. This is my body ministry. How, I need to get a friend to come to church. I need to get those guys. I don't know the Lord. Pick them up. 18, 19, I used to drive my yellow Tirana around and pick up kids. Come to church. Young guys, come to church. Jesus saved me not to do it alone. He saved me to use me now to bring people to Christ. So my body ministry, everybody, these are the key things that set you up for what God has ahead. No, don't be distracted. One of the things I find that Christians get distracted with when they're not actually doing what they're meant to do is they get very super spiritual. Just watch out for all the super spiritual people. I could just feel, don't go there, Pastor Jared. <laughs> Don't go there. Unfortunately, you're in the wrong church. Anyway, no, because I'm into spirituality. But sometimes when people just go in that direction, um, what's happening is it's a cover for other things in their life. Usually it's a cover for I'm not doing what I need to do. You know, I get people and I talk to them, they're like, oh, hallelujah, Pastor Ed, amen. Oh, the Lord told me that. Yes, amen. And he told me this in the Lord and that. And the Lord told me that. And I'm like... Oh my gosh, I found that out last week. I don't know how you knew that and have been saved for two minutes, but you know. But just look out because you can get on wrong tracks when we need to be doing the basics. Some people get out here and they still haven't done here. It's like, <laughs> uh, okay, here's, here I'll go straight there. I hear people say, oh, I need deeper teaching. I have discovered 41 years, you know what deeper teaching means? I'm still not doing the basics of what I needed to do. Because if you were doing the basics, the basics is so strong, so important, so solid that you haven't got time. You actually need, you can feed yourself as you get older. By the way, I learned to do that, feed myself. But when people say that, it's because usually I'm still not doing serving in God's house, still not caring, still not accountable, still not responsible. But I want to leap out here because this one has cost and this doesn't. Welcome. That's the deal. Whereas if you're not doing here, I'm so busy doing all of the key things. And I feed myself. Last night I was looking on the priesthood and studying Old Testament, but that's something I can do. But when you hear people say that, I'm like, you're still not doing the basics. You're still not doing what you were meant to do. And in Luke 19, it says... Um, Jesus said a certain nobleman went to a far country to re receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds. And Jesus said unto them, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Jesus didn't say be super spiro. He said, occupy. 
do, occupy. What does occupy mean? Take territory, lead people to Christ, fill the church, plunder hell, fill heaven, plunder hell, fill heaven. That's what we're meant to do, occupy till I come. But what, happened, what, do, people, what do a lot of Christians do? Because they don't want to do that which is costly, that which is basic. They go, do you know what I'm doing, Pastor? I'm a study on the Antichrist. And I'm working out who it is, where he is, and when Jesus is returning. And I'm like, look, that is not it. That might be a side thing you look into on a side thing. That is not what Jesus asked us to do. Jesus has asked us to occupy and fill heaven with souls. Look at, look at Daniel 12 verse 3. It says, those who are spiritually wise will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. Look at this. And those who lead many to righteousness, to salvation, to Christ, listen, will shine like the stars forever and ever. So, so when we get to heaven, Jesus, we're going to say, Jesus, I was spiritual. Ooh, I was spiritual. Ooh, I could be spiritual. Oh, I know Jesus, who the Antichrist is, knew who he was. <laughs> How'd you find that out? Jesus will say, well, I knew his neighbor, 668, neighbor of the beast. Anyway, <laughs> he told me he was. You, listen, Jesus is not going to be able to see you due to the glare of the shining coming off all the other crowd who led people to Christ. They will be shining in eternity. Jesus is going to say, what are you talking about? You're stuff? These people, I can't see you for the glare of the shine off their lives because of their spiritual wisdom, but also of all the people that they have led to righteousness. I can't see you. I can hear you, but I can see them shining like the stars forever and ever and ever. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> Occupy till I come. Fill heaven. Watch what gets your focus. Watch what takes your focus. You know, faith, everybody, faith is not faith until it costs you personally. If you're saying, oh, I want to be a man of of faith, want to follow God in faith, faith is not faith until it costs you personally. And I said this, I wrote this Friday night just as Davinia was getting ready to preach. Oh, not you, Spencer was preaching. Davinia was out there in the green room. Faith is not faith until you take an action where you cannot see an outcome. Other than the fact that God used someone to come to you, to speak to you, to get you to carry something within God's house. And you go, all right, you want me to take the bin out? All right, you want me to welcome people at home group? All right, you want me to pick up people to come to church? All right, you want to, and you go, I'll do that. That is actual faith, not when I can see where this is going for me. I can see how this works for me. This is going to be good. Everybody, there is superficiality in today's church. And we've got to move from that to actual occupying and maturity. I love uh, Gene Edwards Vaith said this. He said, the priesthood of all believers did not make everyone into church workers. Rather, it turned every kind of work in the church into a sacred calling. Say that again. The priesthood of all these did not make everyone into church workers. Rather, it turned every kind of work in the church into a sacred calling. Whatever you do, this is sacred. This is God's calling. I love it. And I just said the last service to worship team, you come and join me. So many Christians love Jesus. So many people around the world, I love Jesus. Love him. They just don't love his instruction. 
Love Jesus. Woo! Jesus. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> they love Jesus. I just don't love his instruction. What his Bible says, not up for that. You can't love Jesus and not love his word. He is the word. So we need to say, Lord, help me to apply your word. And in so doing, you become like Christ. You discover Christ at a new level. You discover his kingdom in a way you've never discovered before. You discover yourself. <laughs> you discover life. You discover fulfillment. All of that is to be found in saying, Lord, I have a kingdom purpose in your house. And I have a kingdom purpose out of your house. Help me to see what it is. I'll stop there on that one. Everybody, you've got a great calling. You've got a great plan for your life. Don't miss it. Don't have one more year where you go, I don't know what I'm meant to be doing in God's house. We've got a great leadership team here. We've got a great pastoral team here. They're here to help you and equip you. Ephesians 4, we equip you for the work out in the world and your ministry in the house. Ask the question. Don't join the multitude of Christians around the world. Well, I'm still praying about it. Oh, hurry up. Heaven's sake. <laughs> I meet them everywhere I go. I'm like, hurry. You need to answer that. Because every gift and talent you've been given and every grace gift you've been given, God's, you're going to get before the Lord and the Lord's going, hey, what did you do with those? What did you do with what I gave you? We're all going to be like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I, you know, I was doing tennis. I didn't, you know, it was, my auntie rang me and I did barbecue. I, you know, God's going, yeah, but I gave you that for, so you could be equipped. Everybody, you got stuff. Got anointings. You got talents. Just bring them. And here's the key words. How can I help? 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 Christians who utter those words over and over again are Christians who end up in destiny. How can I help? And you will end up in your destiny. Not, where's God? Why aren't these people recognizing me? What's wrong with them? No, no, no. That's not how God does it. It's when I'm here to help, God goes, wow. Angels, Holy Spirit, let's work with this person. I just found some humility. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.